Sports Byline's library of more than 12,000 interviews is a treasure. I'm Ron Barr, and we want your help in protecting, sharing, and continuing to build this sports interview treasure. We've launched a GoFundMe campaign, so please go to sportsbyline.com slash funding and donate so you can be a part of preserving and continuing to build this unique collection of sports interviews. In appreciation for your donation, support, and telling others, we're going to provide everyone who donates with a link to a special commemorative collection of the Sports Byline Interview Library. This commemorative collection will change every month, and you'll have access to it with your supporting donation of any amount. So go to sportsbyline.com slash funding and also tell your friends. You'll be helping preserve, grow, and digitize the Sports Byline Interview Library so that today's sports fans and those in the future will forever be able to enjoy this treasure. Thank you for your help and support. Welcome, you're listening to Sports Econ 101. You know our show. It's where we discuss sports topics from a business perspective. I'm your host, Edward Brown, along with my co-host, Bruce McGowan, longtime sports radio personality. Today's show is going to be fun because we have a guest we haven't had on for, gosh, over a year. Yeah, a good guy and a, a fellow who has been doing uh, play-by-play for the NFL, for Major League Baseball, NBA, Ted Robinson, a nationally known voice who also covers... Uh, professional tennis so we're going to get into a number of topics with uh, ted excellent yeah, yeah and with the uh cubs winning the world series yeah. and ever since the zipper was invented that's uh quite quite a feat <laughs> quite a story all right uh, at each commercial break we're going to ask a sports trivia question uh today's theme is going to be baseball records some of these will be kind of easy a couple might be kind of hard we'll see if you guys can know it and you can listen to Sports Econ 101 on iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Sports Byline USA, CRN, and all other kind of... What are we on? About 250 stations, something like that around the country? Armed Forces Radio Network, Armed too. Forces yeah. Radio. Don't forget yeah. about those guys. Yeah, those guys over in Afghanistan. I guess there's a few left in Afghanistan, right? I guess so, yeah. 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 But that's yeah. why we have to have hard breaks. That's why it's tough. Yeah. And Ted's on the phone, right. so we're going to have to okay. say, Ted, 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 i got to go to a break. got to go to a break. <laughs> all right. All right. Speaking um, of Ted, we're going to get to him right away. Right away. Okay, yeah. so this segment of Sports Econ 101 is sponsored by Pacific Private Money, providing mortgage investments that are still currently yielding around 8%, a little bit less right now. It's about 7.8%. Secured by real estate, mostly in the California Bay Area. And it doesn't get any more conservative than that. you got to check them out at PacificPrivateMoney.com. And by the way, you know, this is kind of embarrassing, i got to admit it, but uh, we had a show that we had to go to last night, and my U-verse on AT&T stopped working. So I literally had to, before the show, I had to have my phone give me updates as to what was going on in the World Series. Oh, there you go. Did, did the Cubs win? Well, we'll find out. Barely. <laughs> We'll find out in a minute. <laughs> oh, man. I had I had to watch highlights, but it, it's nothing like watching the, the whole game gotcha. by itself. Yeah. All right. So don't touch that dial. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. We'll be right back with Ted Robinson.
Whether you're a local or entertaining visitors, check out the new Cityscape Viewing Lounge at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square for 360-degree views that are out of this world. This new San Francisco landmark serves up premium wines by the glass and locally crafted beers, as well as tempting appetizers, all of which complement the city's landmark vistas. The Cityscape Viewing Lounge at the Hilton San Francisco Union Square. Invest in some fun this season with this deal from Paintball Tickets. With the largest network of paintball fields in North America, Paintball Tickets is committed to bringing you high-intensity fun for a fraction of the cost. With the purchase of your paintball tickets, you'll receive free admission and equipment rentals to some of the most played-at paintball parks nationwide. And by partnering up with like-minded, safety-conscious paintball fields in thriving markets across the nation, we've ensured there's always a field close to home. These tickets, which can be purchased in bulk, are designed to fit the needs of every skill level, from casual observers to weekend warriors. This adrenaline-inducing sport is perfect for birthday parties, corporate team building, or a casual outing with friends. Make the right choice for your wallet. Get in on the fastest-growing action sport with this deal from Paintball Tickets by going to sportsecon101.com and clicking on the Play Paintball button. Pedro Fernandez here. You might know me as the host of Ring Talk Live Worldwide, but this time I'm here to talk about that four-letter word everybody dreads, pain. If you have back pain or knee pain like I do, hey, you should know about the Health Alert Hotline. I'm talking about if Medicare is your primary medical insurance, and guess what? You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. Anything to help me with the pain, hey, makes it more manageable, gets my attention, folks. I love the free delivery, and they take care of the paperwork for you. So if you have Medicare and need help for your back, ankle, knee, or shoulder, guess what? Give the Health Alert Hotline a call toll-free, 1-800-428-1570. 1-800-428-1570. You can qualify for a back or knee brace or a shoulder brace for little or no charge. 1-800-428-1570. The Health Alert Hotline. 1-800-428-1570. iHeartRadio, an app so powerful. It holds 20 million songs from 450,000 artists, thousands of the best live radio stations, custom stations, and stations created just for you. It's anywhere and it's everywhere. Millions of songs, thousands of stations, one free app. iHeartRadio is that easy. Download the app today or listen online at iHeartRadio.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Bruce, who's on the phone? Well, the former voice of the Golden State Warriors, former Stanford Cardinal play-by-play announcer, did the Giants for a number of years, the New York Mets on radio, and now is the voice of the San Francisco 49ers, who are having a kind of a rough season, and I want to talk with Ted Robinson about the NFL and specifically the 49ers. But, Ted, i got to get your take on last night's, or I should say as we speak, it was last night, seventh game of the World Series between the Cubs and in Cleveland, because you know, you and I and and Ted and uh, Edward have seen a lot of baseball over the years. I can't remember a game that was fraught with as much drama, as many twists and turns, just a, a perfect. And then that seventeen-minute uh, rain delay. I mean, it was almost fitting that the game had to stretch out another seventeen minutes. What, what was your take on the whole thing? Well, uh, thanks for being uh, or having me with you guys. By the way, sure. it's nice to be back with you. And and you know, it's funny, Edward, because I was listening to your 
comments there, yeah. and I'm sitting there thinking, who didn't think there was going to be a baseball game on November second? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was it was kind of tough. We had these tickets like uh, over a month ago, and it's my wife's birthday, oh. so I figured, okay, well, no problem. I'll record yeah. the game, and then I'll just watch, yeah. you know, watch it from. I won't listen to anything on the radio or anything until I get there. And uh, yeah, disaster. But anyway, yeah. I, I know who won. And it was a beautiful <laughs> night. And uh, the sad part to me, the business part of this that's very sad, is that the game ends at 1 o'clock in the morning in the East Coast. And yeah. how baseball, uh, it's beyond my ability to comprehend that baseball doesn't sit down with Fox and just say, listen, this is absurd. Oh, that's a good we point. Have the, we can't have the biggest baseball event in the last how many years. You know, the Red Sox winning in 04 was clearly the other one. Yeah. But this is the biggest baseball, single baseball event in the last 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. And... And and we're gonna and we're gonna play this game past midnight on the East Coast on a school in the middle of school year and work. Yeah. And it just it's just nobody would inflict that much damage on themselves. Only baseball would. Yeah. It, it, well, yeah. the game having it, said the, that having yeah. said that it was a fabulous game. Uh, look, baseball changed dramatically, and now it's all about bullpens and multiple pitchers. Um, but for the Cubs to come back from three one, yeah. To an, you know. We got used to the word torture around the Giants as a joke. That was what the Cubs just went through was torture. That was torture. You know, it's interesting, too. I think Joe Madden is the luckiest manager in the world. He was going to be second-guessed from here until oh, you yeah. know next spring about using his bullpen, specifically Aroldis <laughs> Chapman and bringing yeah. Lester when, when he had Hendricks, who was going so well. Uh, did that kind of surprise you that he over, so maybe sort of overreacted and went to his bullpen and his relief core that much uh, earlier than we thought? No, you know, it didn't. Bruce, just, uh, again, and I'm, I'm detached from baseball now. I'm a fan like everyone. Uh, but I've seen it happen, and it's clearly, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's an evolution that I think began as a revolution by Tony LaRusso, who I worked with when he was the manager of the A's. And Tony started the multiple relievers in the seventh and eighth innings because he always had accuracy for the ninth. But he would do the one batter stuff in the seventh and eighth. Uh, and that's been carried now to an extreme. And I'll tell you the moment that I laughed, guys. This was uh, over the weekend, and which I forget which game it was in Chicago, but Tomlin, the starting pitcher for Cleveland that night, mm-hmm. went four, I think four and a third or four and two-thirds. And they took him out of the game. He hadn't given up a run. Yeah. And, and, and Joe Buck and John Smoltz are idolizing this guy. What a great effort. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah. now I have a World Series ring, which I was – Gifted because of one man, because Jack Morris pitched 10 shutout innings in Game 7 of the 1991 World Series. Still, to me, the single greatest postseason pitching performance in history. Eclipsed for the entire postseason by what Madison Bumgarner did yeah. in, 20, in 2014. But I'm going to think, even, what, was, what is Madison Bumgarner thinking? when this guy's getting lauded for pitching four two-thirds innings as a starter. <laughs> yeah. That well, that's so- you know what? That's Joe Buck for you, though. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. But, you know, I was thinking that uh, Francona, Terry Francona, very fine manager of Cleveland, you know, really rode his bullpen all the way to the end. And you can't fault him for going with the uh, – Oh, Miller, w- yeah. with With three starters instead of four because it worked up until – Game seven, and even in game seven, I mean, they they managed to get some offense to, to hold it together. I, I can't fault him at all. I can fault uh, uh, Madden, but, of course, Madden walks out of there the winner, so you can't really <laughs> fault him, can you? You can have fun, though, second. That's the great thing about baseball. You can have fun second-guessing. That's things. what I always wonder is, like, 
I'd leave unless a guy's hurt. I'd leave him in there until he's showing that he's giving up runs and that you can just. Or he's know, losing his command or yeah. speed or whatever. But it was obvious, Ted, wasn't it to you that Chapman just did not have yeah. it? He was worn out, and and using him in Game Six just did not make any sense at all with a five-run lead. Why? I don't. I don't yeah, get it. Good point. I mean, did That's you did, did you did now, that surprise I, you? I, I sort of understand the Game Six thing because there is no. I mean. That rare moment in baseball that you never get, which is it's the last. I mean, Game Six was the last game for the Cubs. Yeah, but if they're oh, up by five, if they're up five to one, though, I think it was six to one, six, wasn't it? By then, it was six to one. Six to one. Yeah, I, I understand what you're talking. If, if, if it was a two to one game, yeah. and then you think he's going to shut him down, then I, well, I understand. The it. The nice but, thing is we don't have to talk about that. But I, you yeah. know, from the standpoint of you've lived and worked in the Midwest, you worked in Minneapolis on a couple of stints. You mentioned your time with the uh, as the voice of the Twins on radio. What was uh, what? What do you think it's like for the folks in Chicago waking up today, realizing once and for all that they can stick out their chest and say, "Hey, we're world champions." My grandfather may not remember it, but well, I'm going to remember. Well, especially it. the fans, because guys like uh, you know Zobrist, he he got a ring last year with with Kansas City, yeah, yeah. and it's like it's not like he's played for 25 years. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. you've been around the Midwest a long time. What do they, what does it mean to those people? Well, it's it's life. I mean, it's. Uh, and, and I can speak a little bit to this uh, recently because I was actually in Chicago five days this weekend for a wedding that had been planned a year in advance. <laughs> so to be in Chicago last week, Thursday, Friday, and even Saturday was extraordinary. The, the vibe, the life in the city was unmatched. And it reminded me of a little bit of what San Francisco was like in 2010. Yeah, yeah. First October, the first World Series that the Giants win. It was. This was... This was that ramped up probably 2x. Sunday in Chicago was like walking around a citywide wake. Mm. It was brutal Sunday. Mm. They're down 3-1. They won Sunday night. I stayed to Monday. Monday was a little bit better, but it was a normal work day. It still didn't have the vibe. And so to think from that roller coaster ride to come back to where they will now party for the next three months, <laughs> is it's mind-blowing. And look, sports in Chicago... Very similar to many other Midwest cities, but I think Chicago probably the most extreme case. It is so ingrained in the DNA of the city. It doesn't matter whether you like baseball or not. You will be caught up in the Cubs winning. And the other point I'll tell you guys, in the five days I was in Chicago, I did not see a single White Sox merchandise, sign, <laughs> anything. It, it's, it's as if they don't exist. At least very similar to what we in the Bay Area see with the A's. It is, yeah. As if they don't exist. Yeah. And that's what's mind-blowing to me. is They won the World Series 10 years ago, and no one even knows it. The Cubs, it's as if Chicago hasn't had this for a century. It's, it's a great story. It, the thing that makes it so much fun to me, too, is that it, you know we had this great matchup between two teams. We knew that there was going to be a wonderful story. Conversely, the folks in Cleveland are sitting there thinking, well, here we go again. Yeah. But I love the team that they have, Ted. I think sure. this team is going to be around for a long time. This And, and spring training, don't they play each other yeah, right away? Well, I'm sure they do. But I mean, yeah. I, what my point is, I think you know, Chicago is going to be very good, but Cleveland looks every bit as good uh, next yeah. year coming back. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I think that's something because actually I I had a chance to bump into because of this happenstance of being in Chicago. I had a chance to bump into a lot of baseball people I used to know, um, and I was just you know five minutes conversations here and there, and I just picked their brain. And one thought about the Cubs that surprised me: I had a couple of executives tell me, you know, they're really young, 
and yeah. they may not be ready for this World Series. And I'm laughing. I'm thinking, I don't think of the Cubs as young. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. But again, it's the it's the players themselves. Tell you what, Ted, stay stay with us. We're going to cut to a quick commercial break here. Um, with the creation of relief pitchers, setup men, and closers, a record of winning 59 games in a season by a pitcher may seem rather far fetched. Which pitcher did this? Jeez, I don't. I remember. I remember hearing <laughs> guys winning forty games. I think Jack Chesbro won forty-one or something. Well, I'll tell you, this is this is before the World Series, yeah, the last World World Series not win, nineteenth century. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I don't know how much of a story in ten. I, I think you'll. I think you'll. Yeah, well, at least we'll have heard of this guy. Out. Okay. All right, stay with us. You're listening to Sports Econ 101. Tired of calls, levies, and liens from the IRS or hiring others who don't get the job done? Call Wall and Associates and you'll never talk to the IRS again. The IRS has a program to eliminate tax debt and Wall and Associates professionals are trained to maximize its benefits for you. You always speak with a live person with real support and real knowledge. We've helped thousands of taxpayers like you settle their tax debt with the IRS for a fraction of what they owe. We solve tax problems. Call Wall and Associates now. 800-480-5708. We have the professionals who know how to solve tax problems. If you owe money to the IRS, your tax problems are not going away by themselves, and the passage of time will only make matters worse. Act now before it's too late. Call Wall and Associates right now to speak to a professional tax relief agent. Call 800 800- 480-5708. That's 800-480-5708. Again, 800-480-5708. Rebuild or replace transmission, $3,200. Anti-lock brake system, $1,000. Rebuild or replace engine, $2,400. Truth is, once your manufacturer's warranty runs out, it's all on you. Every last cent. Get protection for covered repairs with a vehicle service contract from Toco Warranty. Unlike other companies, with Toco, there's no down payment, and the monthly payments are really affordable. Not sure how long you're keeping your car? At Toco, you can pay as you go. Keep your hard-earned cash and call Toco Warranty right now at 800-222-2313 to save big money on covered auto repairs. Prices vary by vehicle, but for about the cost of a tank of gas per month, a Toco plan has your back on expensive covered car repairs. Monthly payments are very affordable. Get your free quote now. Call Toco at 800-222-2313. That's 800-222-2313. 800-222-2313. Cancellation fee may apply. Subject to eligibility. Not available in Missouri and Washington. Waiting period and deductible apply. Coverage provided and administered by Warrantech Corporation or its affiliates. Not affiliated with any manufacturer or dealership. Visit tocowarranty.com for complete terms and conditions. This family is at home, but they won't be answering the door. They know that the pounding on the door is a process server from the court waiting to hand them foreclosure documents. So instead of enjoying the home they worked so hard to afford, they sit hiding in the dark. Mom, what was that? But it doesn't have to be this way. This family can save their home, but they must act fast. Call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions at 800-274-7312. If you're being threatened with foreclosure, have been denied a loan modification, missed a payment on your mortgage, been a victim of a predatory loan, or are upside down on your home, it's critical that you call Allied State Foreclosure Solutions now. 800-274-7312. Allied State Foreclosure Solutions has an attorney in your area that will meet and speak with you. You can stop the foreclosure your process, lower your monthly mortgage payments, save your home and your credit, but you must act now. Call 800-274-7312. 800-274-7312. Not available in all states. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. 
Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our first trivia question, and we were talking about baseball records. With the creation of relief pitchers, setup men, and closers, a record of 59 wins in a season by a pitcher may seem rather far-fetched. Which pitcher did this? I'll give you the, the hint, which probably isn't too much of a hint. No. 1884. I'm going to say somebody like Cy Young, but I think Cy Young was not pitching. He wasn't. At, he, I think at, he came a little bit later. Any than that. any ideas on that one, Ted? Ted Robinson, I guess. <laughs> I know. You you did this to me last time. I remember your, your, your knowledge is way beyond. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I've, okay, I've retained a lot of uh, silly silly items in the brain there. Charlie Radborn. Oh, old Haas. Old Haas. There you go. See, I knew you'd know the old name. Haas Very good. Yeah, yeah. And I don't by know the way, I remember this stuff. I don't. I don't get it. I by just, the way, from an economic standpoint, um, can't can you remember my social the, security number. Yeah. <laughs> can you? Can you imagine uh, Cubs merchandise? Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's got to be, I mean, it'll be worldwide, but, uh, yeah. you know, it, that's it's one thing if, like, Tampa Bay wins it, but Chicago, I mean, it's yeah. a kind of a major city. Well, we go from the sublime of, of Chicago to the depths of despair. The 49ers having a rough year this year, and Ted is the voice of the San Francisco 49ers. And, Ted, you know, the Raiders of Oakland, kind of back in the early part of the 21st century, they went through a very similar period where they were built to win now. They went to three conference title games they went to a Super Bowl. John Gruden was a dynamic young coach, and then they got rid of Gruden. The other players got old and hurt, and the whole thing fell apart, and this is the first year they may make it back to the playoffs. The 49ers are kind of in a similar situation. Hopefully the drought isn't going to last as long, but, I mean, Harbaugh leaves. A bunch of players retire or move on. It just seems like all of the bad stuff happened at once for the 49ers. I mean, three years ago this team was one of the best teams in football. Now they're one of the worst. Is that pretty much it in a nutshell? Yeah, it, it's an avalanche, uh, Bruce, and you summarized a lot of it. And I think the last element to add is that the pipeline that you hope to have to replace guys, and look, this is football, so there is going to be attrition. Now, the 49ers had more than a team would experience in a short period of time, but that's where you have to have a good organization has a pipeline that provides some relief. And I think that's the last element of the 49ers' struggle. The pipeline has been dry. It just hasn't produced enough to replace a huge talent loss. And so now the frustration is that with a new coach this year and an offensive pedigree, things have actually taken a step backwards in the first half of the year, which is, you know, you, did, you really didn't think there was much room to go backwards, and they found it. And it's, it's really, it's not going to be a quick fix. I don't see any realistic way to look at it as such. And that's the frustration, I think, for every 49er fan. Is management, uh, what's their take on it? What are they doing? Well, that's a good question, Edward. Mm-hmm. That's one that I think Jed York will likely answer at season's end. Um, Jed mm-hmm. has been very silent this year, which is really the M.O. that he's adopted, is that once the football season starts, it's um, pretty much the head coach, a little bit of Trent Baalke. But mm-hmm. uh, I think, look, everyone can see, right, your eyes, tell you what's going on you can see the empty seats you can see the lack of enthusiasm you can hear it now and if it doesn't get better in the second half of the season it's going to be very very compelling for jed york to have to say look i can't continue this way when you have this stadium you built and people have invested a lot in that stadium um, you know that's the point your your customers 
that the 49ers are actually investors. Well, so uh, on their level of investment, mm. and you have to respond to your investors. So, for the uh, fans who don't know too much about Levi Stadium, uh, it's a new stadium. It's only been around a couple of years, relatively speaking. Yeah. Um, how many? Uh, what's the capacity seating? Uh, it's right around seventy, uh, somewhere in that, somewhere give or take a thousand. And, and okay, and, and how many on average do you, do you think the attendance has been? I was going to say the last game. What they tell me there was. 50 in the stadium, I think. The turnstile count was actually 50. Mm. Um, you know, the frustration is that a lot of fans in the in the wealthy seats, the ones that you see on television, either don't use their tickets or see or watch the game back in their clubs, uh, you know, the, the very comfortable parts of Levi Stadium. The, the jolting thing to me in the last home game against Tampa Bay was the upper deck and the end zone seats. And those are the diehard season ticket holders. Those are the people that came from Candlestick. Some have come from Keysar. And those seats had some empties. And those are the ones, to me, that really are alarming. Those are your fans that need to be with you. They're the faithful. And with, if they start to dissipate, then you have a problem. Yeah, I was going to say, and also you have a problem. You mentioned Trent Balky, the general manager, under a lot of fire. Some of his draft picks, most of them haven't really turned out very well. And there have been a number of injuries. I mean, is he going to be given a little bit more of a grace period? Or do you think this is, uh, it's you know... You better perform this year, at least get back to a reasonable uh, respectability, or he's out of there. Well, I think for a similar answer to the one I just gave, I think that's the second half of the season has to be a large part of that. The first half has been you know, very just incredibly disappointing because it's not just one and six, but it's being blown out, being totally incapable of, of defending at all, stopping the run. I mean, these are the 40 men defense. They've invested a lot of draft picks in recent years on that defense, and it just has been very, very poor the first half. So they need to see improvement, and I have to think all of that goes into the judgment that Jed York will have to make at season's end about where you go. Now, one of the things I enjoy about listening to Ted, uh, of course, when I'm covering the Raiders, I'm driving over to Oakland, listening to you usually playing an East Coast game, and you and Tim Ryan have nice synergy on the air. And despite the fact that the team has struggled, you're keeping the game entertaining. And I, I would think that's the most important and most difficult and challenging thing for a broadcaster is to keep the level of what you know, you're talking about reasonably entertaining and compelling so that people don't turn it off. So if, if that's a small... Uh, you know, comfort to you, <laughs> given given what's going on. You know, you, you deserve a little credit for that. But I imagine that's a challenge. I, I would think it is. Bruce, thank thank you for that. And it is the it's the absolute utmost challenge for a team broadcaster in any sport is to keep the broadcast. You you have to keep it accurate. You have to keep it informative. But to try to keep it even reasonably entertaining or compelling when your team's bad. That's uh, well, and in football, it's very hard because it's only one game a week. Plus, every game has heightened importance. And when things are as bad as it's been for the 49ers this season, and I'm sure you can hear it in my voice, it's been very frustrating, well, especially to watch the defensive failure just basically be compounded each week. Ted, Ted, I'm just waiting for you to get so frustrated that you say, give me a helmet, I'll show them how it's done. <laughs> I'm not, well, Edward, I'm old, but I'm harder still than, than that. Yeah. It's really, and, and look, we're, we are in a market here that beautifully, you know, the greats, the great broadcasters that have all preceded us, and I had the ability to work with a lot of them, they, they created a, a standard, a template where you be honest, where you tell the truth. And that's 
Thankfully, the 49ers have allowed us to do that. And so the truth hasn't been very pretty this year, but Tim and I, I think, have, have tried our best. I know we've tried our best to be truthful in our game presentation. i got to ask you about the rest of the league. Uh, any surprises, major surprises to you of what has transpired over the first uh, first half of the season in the NFL? Yeah, Bruce, biggest surprise to me is Arizona. I had them as the NFC Super Bowl team. I thought this was their year. Still might be, but they're really going to have to climb uphill the second half. Now, we saw Seattle do that a couple of years ago, so you know it's possible. But, uh, but that's been, to me, the absolute single biggest disappointment and i have to believe at least nfc wise dallas is the biggest surprise i mean to have romo down to have a, a rookie quarterback that they didn't even want um you know step in and play as well as he has with a rookie running back play as well as he has you know that's to me the most clearly the most surprising part and i would say the second biggest surprise to me is that goff hasn't played a game i would have thought would have played by now for the Rams. Jared Goff oh, of, Jared, of, of yeah. University of California. Yeah. Well, do, you think, do you think my Vikings are going to make it? <laughs> well, that was a real jolt yesterday with North Turner stepping down as the offensive coordinator. That one caught all of us by surprise. And I'll tell you, my first reaction was, my gosh, I hope the 49ers get on the phone with him. Yeah. Yeah. North Turner yeah. would be a great resource. I have no idea why he, why he walked away, but if he's willing to coach next year, I would hope that Chip Kelly or 49ers would would call him because North Turner, is, with his NFL experience and pedigree, would be an incredible resource for whoever is going to be the quarterback going forward. Yeah, he's one of those guys that just seemed to be more suited to be a, a top coordinator, always very good in Dallas. But when he had his stints at the top, it just wasn't happening for him. And I guess there are a number of guys like that. Dennis Allen, for instance, was terrible as the head coach of the Raiders, but he's been a very de- very good defensive coordinator. So it is interesting. Yeah, I'm still reeling. Sure. I'm still history, reeling from history's littered with those kinds of guys. Bruce, you're exactly right. Buddy Ryan on the defensive side, same mm-hmm. way. Um, but uh, again, I, look at what North Turner did with Bradford. Right, Bridgewater goes down, and look what's happened for the yeah. Vikings. So that's why this is an incredibly puzzling. Um, and I'm sure inside the NFL, they probably have some idea why it happened. But for all of us on the outside, we're, we're immediately going, "What the heck's that about?" Yeah, I'm still reeling from Super Bowl four. Wasn't that the wasn't that Kansas City beating uh, the Vikings? Beating Joe Cap. Yeah, and Joe Cap is still reeling about that. Talk to yeah. him. You, talk to, you ever talk to Joe Cap, uh, Ted? He's a character. Well, I, I, you know, it's funny. I saw Joe Cap here last November. It was really uh, amazing. You mentioned that I was involved in a function in San Francisco, uh, big game week. And I had to write a piece and then introduce on stage Joe Cap and John Brody together. Oh wow! And it was phenomenal because we know John has had major health problems, but he's up to the point where he can walk a little bit and talk just a little bit, and Joe Cap was just wonderful, and they were so happy to be honored. So it was great to see Joe Cap. But, Edward, I've got to tell you, having been in Minnesota for eight years and yeah. having been through a World Series win by the Twins, yep. I'm the first one to tell you that no Twins parade, the two they've had, yeah. nothing would match the parade someday. Oh, yeah, for the Vikings, sure. I know that. I know yeah. how much Minnesota loves football and how much they love the Vikings. When that day happens, it will be – it's going to be Cubs-like. Oh, yeah. Well, I, listen, I was very happy when they beat Atlanta like, in the, for the – you know, when the Twins did uh, – uh, in fact, that was one of – that, that was, Yeah, that was the first time. Great or, No, Series. actually, it was 87 where you had the home team winning all the games. When they beat yeah. St. Louis. Yeah, know. tell you what, we got to cut to a quick commercial break here. Ted's got to get going, though. Yeah. But we want to thank him very much. Uh, Ted, we'll talk to you soon and uh, appreciate you being aboard with us today. Thank you, Ted. Well, Guys, please ask me anytime. Nice uh, to be with you. Absolutely. We, we okay. will. Thanks. Ted's a great guy. You know, as I mentioned at, at the beginning, Ted 
had done all these teams, you know, Warriors and Mets and yeah. Giants. And we forgot about the Twins, who won the That's championship right. in 1991. He was the voice and of the Twins. And in 87, but he did yeah. 91. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how does a pitcher lose 48 games in a season? Yeah. In the first half of the century, nobody lost even 30 games. And between 1950 and 2000, no pitcher lost 25. This record of 48 is appears outrageously untouchable and was set in... 1883 by which pitcher? Boy. Don't touch that. Don't touch that dial. More Tikon 101. I'll be right back. How would you like to earn over 8% per year in your investment portfolio in a conservative investment that has been considered one of the best kept secrets in investing? At Pacific Private Money, we are actually paying over 8%. Imagine what a mutual fund of low loan-to-value mortgages would look like. Well, that is very similar to what participating in the Pacific Private Money Fund is like, because we own many loans in the fund that are actually less than 60% loan-to-value. It would be extremely difficult to find an investment that yields over 8% with this much collateral. We pay you monthly. Can you imagine earning more in one month than most banks are paying in one year? Of course you have questions about how we can deliver this, so call Pacific Private Money at 415-883-2150 and we will answer all of your questions. You can also visit us at pacificmoneyfund.com. This is Carrie Cooper for Guitar Center's Focus on Rock. Shop for the greatest music gear on earth at guitarcenter.com. For film lovers, it's that moment in the movie when the song starts playing and the scene takes on a kind of new and more memorable life. As rock music lovers, many of us will most likely have our favorite movie moments when a song took our breath away. How about Pulp Fiction's twist contest or the moment Meatloaf roared his motorcycle into Dr. Frankenverter's lab? Join me, Carrie Cooper, over at focusonrock.com for a deep dive into rock music in movies. This holiday season, Guitar Center is your best gift ever center. With deals like a Schecter Demon 6 guitar for just $349, a Blackstar 40-watt combo amp $149, or an American Audio PA for $129. Save up to 25% on gear in every department and make spirits bright for every musician on your list. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year! Guitar Center's holiday kickoff, going on now, in-store and online. Hi, Sports Econ 101 listeners. I'm Edward Brown. You know me as the host of the show, but you may not know that I work with individuals getting them the least expensive term life insurance policies around. Don't be fooled by the ads you hear on TV and radio. It's always best to work with someone who's completely independent. That's where I come in. If you email me at edward at sportsecon101.com your name, your age, and how much insurance you want, I'll run the numbers through my software program and let you know the least expensive policy around from among many of the top insurance companies. Again, I'm totally independent, so email edward at sportsecon101.com for your free life insurance quote today. Why pay more for life insurance than you need to? I can get you a guaranteed policy where the low premiums are fixed anywhere from 10 to 35 years. So email edward at sportsecon101.com right now for your free life insurance quote. That's edward at sportsecon101.com. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Again, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Uh, Ted was great. Love having him on. we got to have him on Definitely. more often. Yeah. All right. How does a, okay, we're talking about uh, baseball records. 
How does a pitcher lose 48 games in a season? I mean, nowadays you can't even get really 48 starts, can you? <laughs> no idea. How could you do that? So in the first half of the century, nobody lost even 30 games in a season. And between 1950 and 2000, no pitcher lost 25 in a season. This record of 48 seems outrageously untouchable and was set in 1883. Now that makes sense that it would have to be way back then, right? Yeah. By which pitcher? Obviously, somebody who wasn't in the Hall of Fame. But then again, <laughs> if you lose that many games, you must have been pretty good. Otherwise, you wouldn't have been trotted out there so many times. So. <laughs> That's a good point, I, too. You know, I don't know. Well, that's like like Whitey Ford lost a whole bunch of games, right? Well, yeah, but in the World Series, Whitey Ford was amazing. Yeah. Was, you know, there's some guys that just pitched well when the, the game was on the line and a lot of money. But he lost a lot, too. Remember Babe Ruth, he strikes out a lot, but he had a lot yeah, of home runs. Yeah. So a guy named John Coleman, hmm. you don't know that name? No. For the Philadelphia Quakers. Philadelphia which turned Quakers. Into Quakers, which turned into the Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, I thought God. that was kind of a fun one. Actually, yeah. the next question is going to be after the 1800s, so oh, okay. you, you'll get that one. Okay. <laughs> I go back a ways, but not that know, far. Yeah, not that far. Yeah. But you know some of your old baseball. Yeah, you know, I don't know why it's stuck with me. It's it's weird. I can remember the 1962 lineup of the San Francisco Giants, who batted second, who hit 259 in the World Series. <laughs> but I, as I said, I can't even remember my you know uh, driver's license number for crying out loud. Yeah. So. Go figure, you know. Can't, I can't remember what I what I wrote down. I'm going to pick up at the store for my wife. <laughs> That's why you got to write it. down. But I can remember who who pitched uh, the fifth game of the World Series in 1964. Well, you know, you know, you know I, I'll tell you why. Because nowadays you got a lot more on your plate, a lot yeah. more responsibility. Yeah. Back in 1964, you were a young man, well, and those games meant more. When you're a kid, you know, yeah. sports means a lot more. I, I have to tell yeah. you, I was listening, and it's weird. Sometimes when I have a hard time sleeping, you ever have a a tough night sleeping, and one of the best I would I would tell our listeners this: if you ever have a uh, insomnia problem, one way to put yourself to sleep is to go through lists of things that you remember. And what I like to do is remember huh. World Series winners from 1946, actually 45, all the way through the present day. And I always, you know, I just whip through them when I get through the 60s and the 70s, 80s. It slows down a little yeah. bit, even though I was covering those teams. 90s slows down a little bit more. By the time I get to the 2000s, I'm going, wait a sec, it's. Yeah, I get it, but it's, it takes a while. Let's see, 2000 was the Subway Series, right? 2000 was the Mets and Yankees. Yeah. 2001 was, was uh, Arizona, Arizona beating, beating Mariano the, Rivera. And, of course, 2002, we don't need to talk about. The yeah, Giants losing plays, to the yeah. Angels. <laughs> but, um, no, you know, I mean, it's, it is interesting how we remember these things. And, and it, I was thinking of the teams that I got to cover the championships that meant the most, one of which was the 1976 Oakland Raiders when they won their first title. They won, oh, yeah. they won 15 Games and lost one that year. That's when they beat the Vikings. They beat the Vikings. Right. Beat Jim Plunkett was no, no. This was this oh, was, that was Ken, Stabler. That's Ken right. Stabler. That's this right. is before Plunkett. That's right. But now the Raiders. Uh, speaking of today and the here and the present, the Raiders are finally relevant again. They've got a great offense. They've got a quarterback who is uh, quick on his feet. He's enthusiastic. He rarely gets sacked. His, his offensive line keeps him. Out of trouble, they've got a terrific duo of receivers in Amari Cooper, who's a speedster, kid out of uh, out of the the Southeastern Conference, and, and of course you you have to say Michael Crabtree. They like to call him the Claw because he just got su- such great hands. They're a fun team to watch. You know, they may not go very far in the postseason because their defense is kind of struggling, but they have a cult following nationally, and the Raiders are finally relevant again. And you got to give them some credit. They're not a fluke. I mean, they're a very good team. So who who else were you looking at in the American League? Um, well, in the in the, the Western Conference of the of the uh, 
the AFC West, I think, is maybe the toughest conference because Kansas City is very good. Denver. And Denver is the, is the defending champion, and Denver's defense is, is extremely good. As we speak, the Raiders are getting ready to play a nationally televised game at home against Denver. This is a huge game for the Raiders who have not been able to win a big game in a long, long time. So this is one of those games. And then there's a lot of intrigue behind the scenes about the possibility of moving to Las Vegas. So the Raiders always seem to have controversy and, <laughs> you know, things going on off the field. It's just a fascinating story going back to the days, the early days of the AFL when Al Davis took over this moribund franchise. And they've had their highs and lows. But right now they are definitely in an, in an upward uh, trend. And I would be shocked if they don't make the playoffs unless they get hit with just an inordinate number of injuries. They're, gotcha. they're a good team. You still got New England. New England looks to be as good as ever. And I think part of that, Edward, is the culture of winning. You, you have that much experience of, of being successful, and you walk out on the field, and you know you're going to win. John Madden used to talk about it. He said, you know, I used to know when we'd get into a late game and it was close – I'd know we were going to win. The players knew it, and the fans knew it, and we'd look across the field, and the other team knew it. <laughs> you know, and that's, that's a big edge. Well, yeah. and that's what what it. Uh, how many times have the Patriots been to the Super Bowl since the year two thousand one? I think they've been on something like nine times, and they've won four of them. Maybe it's only eight times, and they've won four. But well, wait, they lost to the Giants twice. They lost to the Giants twice. They lost to uh, they beat uh, the Rams. Rams the, they beat Philadelphia. They beat Carolina, and of course, they beat Seattle. Uh, and I'm trying to think who else they might have lost to. They lost twice to the Giants, and then there were a couple of other ones. But, I mean, Tom Brady can, you know, put his own stamp on his his legacy because no quarterback has won five Super Bowls. Joe Montana won four. Yeah. Brady's won four. But this, at the age of 39, I I think unless something terrible happens to that team, I, I pick him to go all the way. Who would you – I know it's kind of hard to, to make the comparison. And, and Al Adels, if he was here, he says – he don't like to make comparisons. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> That's basketball. But right. um, who would you take, Montana or Brady? I would have to take uh, Brady only because of longevity. But in a, in a big game situation, Montana's right up there. I mean, Montana always came through. And Montana was surrounded, like Brady, with some great coaches and great players. I mean, you're only as great as what's around you. You know, Tom Flores, the great coach of the Raiders who took them to two Super Bowls, used to say, you surround a player with dogs, he's going to play like a dog. Well, that's the thing. is, You've got to give that front line a, a tremendous amount yeah. of credit. Well, you know, it's it. not just the wide receivers. You know? uh, again, I mean, we never talk about the offensive line. They're the smartest guys. They're the toughest guys. They get to beat up the most. But if you don't have a good offensive line, you're not going to win. It's yeah. plain and simple. The, the game is won in the trenches in football, and offensive linemen are, are very, you know, if you can get a couple of good guys to anchor the middle, a center, and a left tackle, and then the other guys are okay. You know, you've got you've got something in the making there for maybe a couple of years. Yeah, because they um, on the outside, they just kind of back up and kind of make that little curve. That little pocket. pocket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left tackles are not easy to come by, though. And and and, a good, and a, here's the thing about offensive linemen. Usually, with rare exception, I think Orlando Pace might have been an exception. Mm-hmm. They don't come out of college and suddenly become stars. It takes a couple of years because of the. The, the blocking schemes and the way the game is set up. And the other, you know, the skilled positions, uh, running back, wide receiver, quarterback, maybe less to the lesser degree quarterback, but wide receivers and running backs can suddenly just get right into the flow of things 
But offensive lineman, tougher uh, situation. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned Orlando Pace because if I remember correctly, he came out of Ohio State, went right, right to the Rams. Yeah. And that's one of the few things, like how many times do you remember a guy in college and in the pros, and especially in that position? And I, re- I remember, I think he was a number one pick. I think actually it was the Ohio State and Jonathan Ogden is the guy from UCLA, or is it the other yeah, way Yeah, no, no. Pace came from uh, uh, Ohio State. Did he? Okay, yeah. then Ogden was from UCLA. Yeah. Ogden was another guy, came out and, and played with the Ravens, and just stepped right in and was, you know, some of these guys, they're just really intelligent. When you're dealing with, with professional defensive linemen, though, and linebackers on the pro level, the difference between that and college is just, it's, it's light years apart. Uh, and so I think that's the toughest part for offensive linemen to get used to the quickness and the different looks and, you know, just the veteran moves that some of these guys have that they've never seen. I mean, what, what would you say – Orlando Pace's um, professional career. I mean, would you say it was stellar? Oh my God, yeah. I mean, because yeah. I remember him playing well, but I guess because he's offensive line, which is sort well, of this non, you know, but, it's, it's non exciting. It's hard. I mean, oh, look at that block. You well, know, yeah, I mean, it made a difference. <laughs> I mean, now Art Shell and Gene Upshaw anchored the left side of the Raider line for something like twelve years, and yeah. without them, Ken Stabler and you know Jim Plunkett wouldn't have had the success that they had. So mm. you have to have that. Jim Otto, of course, the Great Hall of Fame center, 15 years, uh, played every single game, every single offensive down. And that guy's paying a terrible price for it. You know, his mind is still sharp, but his body has just been so beat up. I would not urge any kid to get into into football unless they really know the price that they may have to pay because what is happening today I think is even tougher on the athletes because they're bigger, stronger, faster, and the joints – aren't getting any bigger, and the heads aren't getting any bigger, but the bodies and the speed in which they're hitting each other is a lot more uh, terrific, and so there's a lot more... uh, should all become place kickers. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I mean, look at Sebastian Janikowski, 39 years old and still still doing his thing. So there you go. Did Morton Anderson finally retire? He did. I think he was 42 or 43, and he's not in the Hall of Fame, which... Really? No, and I think probably part of that is due to the fact that he didn't playing a Super Bowl. I don't believe he did. I'm trying to remember. Well, no, he didn't did. he play with the Saints when they won it? No, I don't I don't think so. I huh. don't think I think he was gone by then. But uh, Yeah, but that's not his I mean, it's one thing Well, to, you know, like, you have to be the, the thing is if you get in the if you get into the Hall of Fame, part of the reason you get in is because you played in some big games. I hate to say that. Well, yeah, it's but a not, guy, I mean, he was so accurate for well, so many no, years. That yeah. that's again, I know, that's but, yeah, be the, but there's always been sort of a built-in prejudice against kickers and punters until yeah. recently. Ray Guy know, got Ray in. Ray Guy finally, yeah. Finally got in. And uh, I'm trying to think. There is a kicker. I mean, Lou Groza, I believe, is in. And but, did Jan Stenerud, I mean, yeah. he, he blew a few big games. Yeah, you know, but he remember. won a lot more than he blew. So, yeah, I, you know, it's the, the problem is it's the perception. It's, you know, a guy comes in, he's only playing, you know, 10 or 12 plays a game, but the pressure is on. I mean, that's... But, well, but again, you got to compare it to... It, it's a comparison thing. The Hall of Fame should be a comparison between you, you know, are you the best at your position? Sure. And, I, and I, if I, a guy's I, really accurate, I mean, Morton Anderson was extremely accurate. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, there are certain players... Maybe he hasn't that, been out for five years yet. No, he's been out for, for more than more Really? Than 10. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah, I know it's going I guess I'm, I guess I am getting old. Well, it's just like <laughs> me. You're forgetting in a... You know, 2016, and you look at yourself in the mirror and you go, who is that old guy? Yeah. George Bland is still kicking, isn't he? <laughs> I remember vividly George Blanda had this string of five weeks in a row where he came off the bench, either quarterbacked or kicked his team to wins in the final seconds That's in 1970. Amazing. And he was 43 Fine. years old at the time. And the middle game <laughs> the middle game was played in, in Denver, and he came in for an ineffective Daryl LaMonica. The Broncos were not very good that year, and I was sitting in the booth 
I was going to school at the University of Denver my freshman year, so Bill King, the radar announcer, was nice enough to give me a booth pass, and I did some stats. Mm -hmm. And it took him six plays to drive the team 80 yards for a touchdown. (laughs) I used to love Daryl LaMonica. My dad never cared for him, but I said, you know. Well, they they benched him that day, and George came in and had his magic going. And uh, I remember Bill King said, you know, the man who has extracted the coals from the conflagration is none other than George Blanda. (laughs) Conflagration? And whoever... Coined the phrase, the perils of Blanda didn't really know what he was coining. He was only scratching the surface. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny because that five-week period really put Blanda on the map. He'd always yeah. been a, a sort of a, you know, semi-known player because he'd yeah. been around forever. He was 43 years old. Yeah. But he, he used to he play played, with the Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers, but yeah. he played for five more years. He played with the Chicago Bears, and George Hallis did not like him. Huh. A lot of resentment there between him and George Hallis. But he played until Ooh. he was 48 years old. And that particular five-week stretch was it got a lot of play on Monday Night Football. Howard Cosell talked about it every week uh, during that stretch. They had the highlights. What's Blanda going to do yeah, tonight? Yeah, what is he going to do? The old man, there you see, the 48-yard field. And that got him in the Hall of Fame. That was the week that kind of put him over the top. Wow, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. It, sometimes these guys they stick around so long that they start to go downhill so fast, and then yeah. you kind of really start second-guessing whether they really belonged in there, and that's kind of sad. Well, George actually came in a game when he was age of 48 and threw one pass in one game, a Sunday night game against Dallas, touchdown. There you go. Yeah. We love that. Yeah. Okay, here's our last trivia question. We're talking about baseball records. The Yankees went to 14 World Series in 16 years from 1949 to 1964. Casey Stengel was one of two managers in this span. Who was the other? Oh, you'll, I, I figured you'll know that one. Yeah. I figured the other two were hard, so I yeah. had to, you know, from the 1800s. So I had to give you this one. All right, don't touch that, Dallas. More T Coming 101. I'll be right back. Are you a business owner or an individual who owes the IRS? Then be prepared to write down an important phone number. Do you owe $10,000 or more in back taxes? Do you need to file back tax returns? Are you dealing with bank levies and wage garnishments? It's time to deal with your IRS problem today. Call Certified Tax Tax Representation now. Certified Tax Tax Representation, Inc. represents clients just like you in all 50 states. They will contact the IRS on your behalf the same day that you become a client, and you can become a client immediately. It's time for you to face your IRS problems. Think about how great you're going to feel when you're represented by a company who's an advocate for you, who knows the law, who also will contact the IRS the same day you become a client. Call today for your free, no obligation consultation. Call now, 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Not all cases are typical and some may not qualify. The consultation is free and so is the call, so call right now. 1-800-999-1064. That's 1-800-999-1064. Are you an inventor who would like to try to have an invention or idea patented and submitted to companies? But you don't know what to do next. Call for free information from InventHelp. InventHelp, a leading inventor service company, has been helping inventors since 1984 and has sales offices located in more than 60 cities nationwide. You'll want to talk to the company that has helped secure more than 7,000 invention patents. So call InventHelp. Even if you have an idea for improving an existing product and don't know where to go with it, you'll still want to call InventHelp for free information. 
You'll find out how InventHelp may assist you in trying to patent your invention and submit it to companies. So call now. Call InventHelp at 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. Get your free information by dialing 1-800-316-1738. That's 1-800-316-1738. 1-800-316-1738. When you struggle with credit card bills every month, you're not just in debt. Debt is all around you. I see people every day that are on the brink. They're going to go over the edge, and at the bottom is bankruptcy, and we pull them back. At the Debt Helpline, we're experts at helping you resolve your debt problems and become free of debt. We can help you pay off your debt and give you one lower monthly payment that you can afford. You do get to consolidate your payments. You only have to worry about making one payment a month instead of making three or four or five. If you have $5,000, $10,000 or more in credit card bills, call the Debt Helpline now for a free confidential debt analysis. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Call the CESI Debt Helpline right now for a free confidential debt review. 800-957-6063. 800-957-6063. Welcome back to Sports Econ 101. Last time for today, I'm Edward Brown, your host, along with Bruce McGowan. Here was our third and final trivia question. We had to give a softball one because Bruce was kind of getting a little nervous there. The Yankees went to 14 World Series in 16 games from 1949 to 1964. Casey Stengel was only one of two managers in that span. Who was the other? The other one was Ralph Houck, the major. Houck. Took over in 1961. Is that what they called him, the major? The major. Well, he was a major in the Army and the U.S. Army Uh. during World War II, and I believe he took part in the Battle of the Bulge. Which was one of the one of yeah. the most vicious battles. That was the one where the Germans sort of surprised uh, the American forces uh, with a counterattack. That uh, for a while really was it. Would, the, the battle was up in the air, but then the um, skies cleared and our air force came in and just bombed the you know what out of the Germans, and that was it. Decimated. Decimated them. All right. Here's our thoughts for the day. In 1910, uh, football teams were penalized 15 yards for an incomplete forward pass. Really. Yeah, that, wow. uh, but that that could uh, make you. Uh, uh, well, actually, back then they hardly threw the ball, no, didn't they? Didn't a lot throw of powerhouses. Yeah. And from a complete stop, a human is capable of outrunning a Formula One race car for about thirty feet. Wow, didn't which I surprises know? me. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, thirty feet's not that much, but you think you know, yeah. you hit the gas and there yeah. you be. Yeah, that's surprising. All right, uh, we have thirty seconds before we have to tune out here. Yes, I'm. I'm looking forward to watching the Warriors. I'm, I'm, oh, we'll talk. Yes, we'll talk right. more about next them week. next week. Uh, the Golden State Warriors, uh, NBA champions two years ago, should have won last year, but LeBron had other ideas. And Kevin Durant is looking amazing thus far. Yeah. And um, I heard uh, uh, LeBron is not good. Good luck for the Indians. Every time he goes to the game, they <laughs> they, they, they lose. Well, they almost they might they ban him. Almost pulled it out. They blew a three-one lead after the yep. Cavs won coming from behind exactly. three games to one. All right. Tune in next week to Sports Econ 101. We're going to be discussing sports topics from a business perspective and asking more sports tr- sports trivia questions. Thanks for listening. On behalf of our team, I'm your host, Edward Brown. We'll see you next week. Good night, America. So long. <laughs>